Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. As always, I'm so excited to be back here with you this week, serving up conversations about personal and spiritual growth for the recovering insecure attachment type, which describes give or take 50 to 70% of the population. So hey, welcome. You're in great company. So excited you're here. So excited you came back whichever one applies to you. And I can't wait for today's conversation. I talk with Avery Fawcett. Avery's pronouns are Z and here. Avery is a writer and a change doula. Z helps justice align neurodivergent and nerdy humans cultivate ease and self-trust for growing into our emerging future. We have an amazing conversation. Z shares about Z's chronic fatigue, how Z has overcome ADHD. We talk a lot about diagnoses and labels and how we can work with them. I, I mean, I've talked a lot about this recently on the on the podcast, but really working with them to empower you instead of to shield you and to block you and to also shame you because, oh my God. I know a thing or two. We all know about shame and how great we are about shaming ourselves. So this conversation with Avery is amazing. I really enjoyed talking with Z. I can't wait to get into it. Of course, before we get into the episode, as always, I have my weekly check-in. And this week, I am just freaking jonesing on attachment style. In case... (laughs) In case you didn't know, it's kind of the theme of the show, but I am doing a certification course right now with the personal development school and I am in it, loving it. I am learning so much, like so much. And uh, I'm just like knees deep in it. And I, I'm obsessed. I'm just so obsessed. It's kind of fun because I, you know, I'm going to be uh, taking a test at the end of this to get the certification. So my husband is help quizzing, helping me quiz, helping quiz me. Woo! Pregnant brain. (laughs) We're going to start a new drinking game on the show. You, I don't care what you're drinking. It can be a health, uh, health shot. It can be something with alcohol in it. It can be a shot of acid. I don't care what you're doing, but pregnant brain is real. My uncle straight up called me out on it the other day. Cause I was inviting him to, this is a complete side note, but we're going for it. I invited my uncle to an event and I was like, I'm so excited that you're coming. And he said, I'm excited too. And then I responded, me too. And then I was like, wait a second. I definitely already told you that I was excited. And he's like, yeah, girl, you guys all pregnant brain. So yeah, I can't remember conversations that I had an hour ago. I can't remember important conversations that I've had my, with my husband 24 hours ago. We went camping last weekend and my friend offered for me to sleep in her pop-up trailer. It was amazing. I felt like a queen, literally. I was camping elevated off the ground. I had a mattress. I had, you know, a metal door around me. I mean, it was canvas walls, but like it was amazing. And my husband was like, yeah, I don't want to sleep in the camper. I'm going to bring my own tent and, um, air mattress. And while we were packing, 
I just packed one blanket because I just assumed we were going to be sleeping together in the camper. But no, he was planning on sleeping in his tent that he had definitely already shared with me and I had zero memory of it whatsoever. So um, pregnant brain. I got pregnant brain. It's for reals. It's no joke. So sorry, my apologies to everyone that this is affecting, including you listeners. Pregnant brain is real. Okay. So if you are playing the game, that was three drinks in case you weren't paying attention. Okay. So loving the attachment style certification course. My husband is quizzing me every day on the different needs and expectations of um, the different attachment styles, the different emotions that they tend to feel and the core wounds that they have. And loving it. I'm like overloaded with information and I'm having struggling remembering everything because hello, pregnant brain drink. (laughs) And it's, uh, it's just, I'm fucking loving it. So that's what's going on with me. That's what's going on with me this week. That's what's getting me jazzed. It's going back to a lot of the basics, which, you know, is thought work. If anyone has heard of, oh my God, what is it called? Not, you know what? It's not even going to come to me. Pregnant brain. Drink. <laughs> Thought work. Carl Lowenthal um, teaches this and it's a big part of the school that she learned from. And thought work is literally at the core of like everything that we do. And it's the most basic thing. Through the certification course, I have realized that going back to thought work is maybe the most powerful exercise that I can do. And thought work really means teasing apart my beliefs from my thoughts, from my emotions, and then also being aware of what my actions are and then putting those all together and trying to put in new thoughts. Sorry, not new thoughts, new beliefs. Pregnant brain. Hello. She's at it today. She is on one. Uh, okay. I got to love her. You know, she's the only brain I have. Okay. Big news. Today, drum roll, please. So excited to announce our first podcast sponsor. It's Samane. And they have an amazing product. So what they do is they help you balance your hormones. It is a women-owned business for women, and their products are phenomenal. So I just want to talk about why I love them so much, and then I'm going to talk about a little bit of a giveaway. So what they offer, they provide supplements that balance your hormones. And let me tell you, before I got pregnant, I was having brutal fucking periods. I'm talking like – one of the last ones, one of the worst ones that I had, not the last one, one of the worst ones that I had, I was going through two, maybe three diva cups a day. I had had huge cloths and I even like bled through my diva cup in a pool in Cancun. It was horrifying. It was awful. And I had to like cover myself with like five towels from the Airbnb and then just like waddle home to change. It was a nightmare, but lived through it. Anyway, so clearly I needed some help. And Samane offers this amazing PMS and period support capsules that fixed my hormonal issues during my period. PMS gone, pain gone, hot flashes gone. My fatigue on the first day gone. So highly recommend this product. They also make a daily vitamin. This is amazing. It balances hormones. It smooths your skin. It stabilizes your mood. I mean, there's just 
so much here, especially for any of us women that need hormone balancing. And this is one of my favorites because I used to suffer from urinary tract infections like nobody's business. And they also make a urinary tract cleanse and protect product. So you can get ahead of those urinary tract infections. You don't have to deal with that stabbing pain of getting the actual infection and then waiting until your doctor can prescribe you the antibiotic. It's brutal. So get ahead of it. It's going to cleanse and protect. It's going to just clean you right out. Honestly, these are just amazing. I can't recommend them enough. If you are interested in getting your hands on your own Semaine, you can get 20% off any purchase if you use the code LITAF. All you got to do to use your code is visit SemaineHealth.com. That's S-E-M-A-I-N-E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. SemaineHealth.com. And you can get your own PMS and period support. Try it out. I highly recommend. It could change your life. It can make your life so much easier. You don't have to live with this way. (laughs) That's what my sister and I were saying the other day. Like we just never had to live that way, but we were so used to it for so long that we just didn't know what to do. And Semaine is here to help you. Go check them out. SemaineHealth.com. S-E-M-A-I-N-E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com and use code LITAF. If you are interested in being entered to win a little gift package of all the Semaine products, check out my Instagrams. I've got a little post on there that if you comment with your, I want to hear what your favorite menstrual cycle is. Is it menstruation, follicular phase, ovulation, or the luteal phase? So many different options. We're all different. We all have different ones. Obviously, mine is ovulation. I've shared that before. It's my fave. It's amazing. (laughs) But I want to hear what yours is. So tell me the superpower. Tell me me your favorite uh, menstrual cycle phase and the superpower that you experienced during that phase. I want to hear it all. And you could be the lucky winner of this amazing prize. So check it out. Visit the Instagrams. It's me, Sarah Cohan. It's me, S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N on the Instagrams. So excited. Thank you, Samane. It is such an honor to have your support of the show. And uh, with all that, let's get into this week's episode with Avery Fawcett. Welcome to Lit AF. Will you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I am a a writer and I'm also a change doula. What I like to say is that I help justice aligned neurodivergent and nerdy humans to cultivate ease and self-trust for growing into our emerging future. And when I say that, the next answer is, what the hell does that mean? So let me tell you a little tell bit. Tell us more. <laughs> let me tell you a little more. Yeah. Let me give you a little bit of like background because I think my, um, yeah, like what I do is kind of a, a melange. So I have been 
focused, I would say for about 15 or so years, really on justice and liberation, you know, in the nonprofit space. I think you were in nonprofits as well. Yep. You? I feel like you mentioned yep, that. Yeah, for about, years. yeah. So I spent a decade um, in, in nonprofits as, you know, a trans activist, queer activist. I'm, I'm non-binary and sort of came out before that was a thing that most people knew existed. I was also really involved in like intersectional feminism and disability justice. So I, I was doing all of that work. And one of the things that I was going through in that process was kind of all of these layers of guilt and shame about my own privilege as a white person, as a settler on this land, I live in the United States, and really like trying to figure out like, how do I reduce harm? How do I show up for the movements I care about? You know, how can I like, quote unquote, be a good advocate? And at the same time, I was really nerdy about productivity of all things, because I was really trying to like, you know, I knew that I knew that the word productive was kind of like, oh, I don't love that word. Like I'm very anti-capitalist, but at the same time, it was like, you know, I really wanted to optimize like how much I could get done while experiencing chronic illness, while experiencing fatigue, being autistic, being ADHD. Like I really wanted, you know, good guardrails. And so I had these like intersecting life themes that were really about self-improvement you know, whether it was at the values level, like prioritizing justice, prioritizing my own integrity, and then optimizing the little details of an everyday level. And one of the biggest learnings I would say, like I had through that was just how pervasive capitalist, white supremacist ways of thinking can be in kind of convincing you to burn out for justice. Yes. So, you know, I'm sure anyone who's worked in nonprofits is like, oh, I know what that is. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, just the idea that like, everything is urgent, that you're never doing enough. And so like my present work now was really born out of a strong belief that if we just like want a more just, a more liberated and amazing world that a lot of us dream about, we really have to prioritize building our own self-trust and doing our own healing, which can be hard and scary, right? Because you want to help others of course. And it can be hard mm-hmm. to say like, oh, my healing matters. So hard to turn to myself and be like, now we're going to work on you. I'm like, this is selfish. Right. Right. Am and I, I really making it, time it for this? Way. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, I was learning to be really aware of all of my privilege, which is very important and like true. And to be aware of all the ways in which I had things easier than others, which was true. But at the same time, I think there's almost this like internalized narrative of, you know, self-punishment or like trying to find all the ways in which you are quote unquote bad. And right, we could go into all day on the deep philosophical layers of that and where that comes from and all the roots of it. But I think a lot of not thinking about myself as somebody who's inherently valuable who's a human being, (laughs) Um, you know, hilariously, like I I went to law school to study, funnily enough, random. I went to law school, uh, never practiced law, but I studied international human rights. And it was like, oh yeah, but like I have human rights as well. (laughs) It's not just about- I'm also I am also a human. And Um, so yeah, yeah, it was like, and and I have have had like this really amazing lineage of teachers in my work, like through, um, you know, I have this whole sort of healing journey I had to go through when I was realizing the layers of this. And I studied tarot, I studied astrology. 
mindfulness, intuition. So a lot of those kind of spiritual things, but also like emergent strategy, Adrian Murray Brown, uh, healing justice, you know, co- collective trauma, getting to understand what the meaning of collective trauma. And I'm just really passionate now through all of that about both sharing my own story through my writing, because I think it helps, you know, other neurodivergent, queer, non-binary folks to see themselves. And then also creating tools to help folks with kind of pieces of that process, that like unlearning process, that starting to see our own worth, our own value, and the ways in which even in trying to be in integrity and trying to be advocates and trying to be passionate about justice, we can like forget about ourselves and our own value. We almost are turning those tools back at ourselves. The idea that we have to be better and bigger and stronger and perfect back on ourselves. So I create tools and then I also love to work with folks one-on-one. When I say change doula, that's a term I just kind of came up with, you know, working one-on-one, dueling others through this process of kind of unlearning those internalized norms, but also centering their own healing, also looking at how they might be kind of like punishing themselves, trying to live up to unrealistic standards Um, and especially neurodivergent folks. Because mm. I, I think we have like really unique magic um, in how we yes. experience the world, you know, like, like shout out to anyone listening who is neurodivergent. And that can also cause a lot of pain under capitalism. <laughs> but 100%. When we, like when we embrace ourselves, I think we can really guide ourselves and others like into a different way of living. So when I say change doula, like I'm really talking about helping folks to shift like our relationship to change, helping folks to move from kind of striving and everything is linear and everything's a goal to like, I like to say spiraling inward towards ourselves. Like how mm. do we, how do we spiral until we get to more and more ourselves? Cause I think, I believe that that's what we're here to be and that, you know, neurodivergent people, especially like may have been told or may feel like, Oh, I just got to get on quote unquote on top of my shit. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, you don't need to be on top of your shit. You need to <laughs> let that shit go. Yeah, let that, is it actually your shit would be question number one. And then like, how do we move slower? You know, like, you know that there's a different way. You know, we all know that there's a different way, but like, it can feel so distant. It can feel so hard. So just being like, yes, no, you absolutely can take that off your calendar. You absolutely can say no. You absolutely can, you know, oh, you think you need to get that done this week? Why? Why this week? Mm. Mm. <laughs> and I think I love us. Yeah, we do. So thank you for this work. This is incredible. I recently read the recent blog post that you have about being neurodivergent. Your your story is incredible. Like the things that you've been able to accomplish well, with neurodivergence and just ignoring it because you didn't, it sounds like you um, got the diagnosis later in life. I did. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, how has that unlearning process been for you of getting that diagnosis and then coming to terms with this new reality? I guess it's not a new reality. You've been dealing with this your whole life. So, well, well, yeah, but you know, in an interesting way, it's like, it's a revealing. It, so, you know, a lot of us are talking about apocalypse recently for, for various reasons. And I don't know if you've, you've heard this, but a number of people have started to go, Oh, wait a minute. The etymology of apocalypse is that it comes from a Greek word that means to uncover or to reveal. And so I love that in like a systemic way of thinking about how Mm. crisis, what does it reveal, right? Instead of saying like, oh my God, we destroyed the thing, like what's underneath. And so in a personal way, I feel like my having to confront the sort of crisis of like, oh, I can't actually 
be the way I thought I could be, right? I, or I can't just magically be like, yeah, let's try harder. And like, if I tell myself that enough times, like that's that's not gonna work. So it was it was really like peeling off these layers of expectation and going, oh, and I feel like a lot of neurodivergent people, I mean, there's so many TikToks, right, about this of like, oh shit, oh shit, right? Um, so I was not quite the the TikTok made me um, uh, neurodivergent crowd, but I, uh, close. I, I had a, a, a partner who very helpfully told me a little bit about how ADHD is often seen differently in women and, and queer folks, like how it, it presents differently than the stereotype. So that was, I want to say five years ago when I started thinking, oh, I'm probably ADHD or maybe even longer. I remembered at that time, oh yeah, there was that mental health professional who tried to diagnose me as ADHD. And then my mom, I hope my mom's not listening to this, but if she is, hi mom, it's totally fine. <laughs> hi mom, we love you. Yeah, we love you, we do love you. But no, um, and, and actually it's funny, like we've, we've talked about this, so it's fine. But But she kind of like, stormed into the um into the office with this like stack of all my accomplishments since age three and was like my child cannot be ADHD and the thing <laughs> is she was right laboring under the same assumptions of most people in the 90s as like well my child's not super hype quote-unquote hyper and assuming that there's any link between ADHD and intelligence which that's like it doesn't mean you're you're not smart right um but she was basically like the kid's good in school. It can't be, you know, and like, I had kind of forgotten about that. And and I think at the time I thought, oh, he agrees with her. And now I'm like, no, he just wanted to get her out of that office. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think he actually was <laughs> like, oh, I understand now. It was just like, you can't diagnose a kid unless the parent, you know, is, is like somewhat in it. So anyway, that worse. Yeah. Yeah. So that happened. And like, I honestly, not to name any names, but there are people in my family who like, I now I'm like, oh, I think it's that I'm a neurodivergent person who grew up around a lot of neurodivergent people mm. and we didn't know that anything was different. So that's the sort of like un, un, unveiling of that is that, yeah. So I got diagnosed um, last year with ADHD and then with autism, which was another one where like, I didn't know how it presented differently in, in different people based on gender. Didn't know how to, how to take the like DSM definition of these things and like apply it because I'm not a psychiatrist, right? That's not my job. But yeah, having community and having people and honestly, like realizing my own stereotypes, right? Like realizing mm. my internalized stereotypes about what I thought an autistic person was, about what I thought an ADHD person was, even though like I have a lot of neurodivergent people in my circle. And I, I remember like my, honestly, my first reaction to I think I might be autistic was like, oh, but I'm not that cool. Like, I can't be cool like the autistic oh my people. God. Right? Like, that was literally I it. Right? I was like, I don't want to, like, appropriate their, you know, like, I'm not no. that. It's like, no, no, you, you, are, you are that. And, like, then I went back and it was like, oh, I wasn't bad at making friends. It's that the friend, the only people that I had, like, a real close relationship with, I now go, wait a minute. Oh, shit. And like, oh. I literally like, like got in contact over Facebook with somebody and was like, I know this is weird. We haven't talked in a long time. You do not have to answer this. It's totally up to you. But I'm just wondering, is it possible that you're neurodivergent? And she's like, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm autistic. I have been my whole life. And I was like, Holy shit. right, of course. Yeah. So I just realized that like most of my close relationships and the people I communicated really comfortably with were neurodivergent wow. folks. So wow. yeah, it was just an, an unveiling and it's just, yeah, allowed me to kind of realize that like, 
um, you're not the problem. You're just, you know, operating under a system that's not that great for neurodivergent people. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. And can you share a little bit about your past with chronic fatigue as well? I feel like feel like you've like really, you've, you've got a lot going on. I've got a lot. No, people, it's so funny. Like people always are like, how do you, like, how do you pack all these life experiences into, into yeah. uh, I'm 37. Uh, so, so I, I've got some life experience, but you've um, lived. no, you've lived. yeah, I have lived. I have lived. So this was actually really like unfolded, I think with the ADHD. And like, I think it was really interesting because being a nonprofit, so, so, you know, and probably some of your listeners know as well, there are, you know, there are ways in which that work environment is flexible. And then there are ways in which it really burns you out. And I think the fatigue kind of is something that I now realize had been growing since I was, I mean, probably my whole life, but, but especially as an adult, as a, as a teenager, I was always somebody who like, I had to sleep like 10 hours. I, I, I never, was like the eight hours of sleep thing. I was always like, I don't, I don't get that. I would sleep somewhere between 10 and 14 hours probably as a teenager. But teenagers sleep a lot, right? That, so that's not necessarily a red flag, but but that was how I was. And it didn't really change. It's like, I got older. Mm. It was still 10. It was was 10, like 10 was solid. Um, I never needed like caffeine in the morning or anything. And then it suddenly started to change where like, I mean, both suddenly and gradually, but I would say this was 2010, maybe. So how long has that been? About a dozen years ago. I just noticed some things changing. I noticed that like I needed caffeine in the morning. I I felt drowsy during the day. If I didn't set an alarm, I would sleep a long time. And it was kind of getting worse and worse, but I wasn't noticing it because it was just like, yeah, okay, you're aging, whatever. Like you're, you know, you're getting older. Of course, you're a little more tired. And it's just like, I think this happens a lot with like hard to diagnose things and like, you know, where, where it's like just little bits kind of creep up on you and, and, and you're like, Oh, this is just how I am. Right. Like, totally. It's just a, a quirk. You normalize it's one it. of my, yeah. one of my quirks. Right. Right. And so yeah. and the same with ADHD, right. I had a job at one point and it's hilarious looking back um, where I was hired and they were basically like, just so you know, you're going to be doing operations and two of the people you're really going to have to wrangle have severe ADHD. And so you just need to know, like, can you do that? Like, can like, obviously we're not putting in the job description, but like, this is part of the work environment. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm super organized. I do great. I'm going to do fine. And it's like, no, you're super organized because you've had to develop coping skills because you were the most hot ass mess as a child. And you, you're, and you turn to them and go, great, here's my whole system. And this was my like autism brain kind of being like, I have a great system for you. Like here it is. And they're like, uh, what? <laughs> um, so I'm actually terrible at wrangling others. So it was like these three ADHD people running around. I mean, I don't know how we got anything done. Um, so yeah, so like I would go into these situations. And so with the fatigue, I worked from home. So I went from commuting, oh God, like six hours a day from Baltimore to DC, um, commuting. Whoa. Now I understand what happened because so fast forward that like the spoiler alert, the end of the story is I have something called idiopathic hypersomnia. And what that breaks down to is you sleep a lot and we don't know why. Great, great thing to have. The good news is, at least in me and in different people experience it differently. If I stay upright, so I walk around, I stand, I sit in like an upright position. I don't recline. I don't get comfy. I don't lie down. If I do all that, then I'm fine. Now, I didn't know this, right? I know this now. And so what was happening was I was getting more and more tired. So I was lying down more. 
I stopped having to commute. So I was like, great, I work from home. I can work in bed. So I would work in bed. I, you know, had lots of friends who had chronic fatigue syndrome who uh, are chronically ill. I have other chronic illnesses. And so like, you know, I was very much like, yeah, rest is great. And I still am like, rest is great. But it turns okay. out I was making it worse and worse because I thought like, oh, my body needs something. There's something underlying. I don't know what's happening. So yeah, so I went through this like long diagnosis journey of like trying different doctors and being like, maybe it's this vitamin, maybe it's this vitamin, maybe you need XYZ, do a sleep study, went through like a ton of different things, tried, you know, all these possibilities, but also had a lot of doctors who were just kind of like, Oh, you sleep 12 hours a night? Ha ha, that sounds great. Most people would kill for that. And I'm like, okay, right, but I need to function. And they're like, yeah, but like at least you're not insomniac. I'm like, really? Like, really? Uh yeah. She's so, the opposite of that problem. Yeah. So I was like, this is a problem. And they're like, yeah, but like it's is it really a problem? I'm like, no, it is. It actually is because also I live in a capitalist culture where uh, I do right. need to, you know, I mean, I would literally like, yeah, I'd, I'd work and I'd go to sleep and then I'd get up and work again and I would sleep half the day. So yeah, at the worst at the worst, it was 20 hours. I was sleeping 20 hours in a row. I would be up for Whoa. six. I had no energy during those six. This was after I had actually quit my nonprofit career and decided to start this business. But I actually had like a good year of this business where I was doing what I could, but honestly, most of what I was doing all day was sleeping. So so all that happened. And then randomly by total coincidence, went on a trip to, to the Bay Area, had to be up running around all week, was like, huh, I seem to have energy. This is weird. Um, on the way home, I stopped driving back up to the Pacific Northwest. I stopped in Sacramento with a friend, told her what happened. And she goes, wait a minute. That sounds a lot like my sister. She has this thing. Why don't you Google it? I Googled it. And it was basically like, stand up a lot. Um, also, funnily enough, the ADHD med that I take is an off-label uh, thing they prescribe for this. So I got, when I got ADHD, yeah, at the same time I figured out the fatigue, I got stimulant medication which also keeps me awake so everything was suddenly fixed so that's wow. my weird ass story so i still Damn. say rest lots lie down be comfortable be comfortable because i'm not allowed to be comfortable by proxy for me um, what <laughs> we'll I, do it for yeah. you avery <laughs> so what i do now yeah is i just i have to stay upright until it's bedtime and now i sleep eight hours a night and have energy more energy Whoa. than i had since i was a and it's just like what huh. <laughs> oh this is what it's like this is what normal energy feels fascinating. <laughs> Must feel right? so good. So if, I'm sure people know this, like if you've been diagnosed with anything or like you've had something where you've lived one way a, a long time and then you suddenly have a change, you're like, oh, that that wasn't normal. Good to know. And yeah. like my my metabolism sped up, like all these things changed. I need um, a whole lot less weed to get high than I used to. So that's a nice side effect. <laughs> that's but nice. Like, Deep my whole, like everything, my exactly, my, my metabolism sped up. It was like all these di- other like little lingering conditions that I had no idea were related went away. So yeah. Wild. Are you struggling with your period? Do you have really bad PMS? Is your period super painful? Do you spend the first day of your period in bed hugging a hot water bottle? If so, I want you to check out Semaine. They offer amazing PMS and superior support supplements. They seriously cleared my bad PMS right up. 
I cannot recommend them enough. They also offer an amazing daily hormonal balance supplement. So you can just be living your best life every single day, as well as a urinary tract cleanse and protect capsule. I used to have so many UTIs. It wasn't even funny. So this product actually helps you get ahead of the UTI so you don't have to have that painful stabbing feeling of a knife going through your bladder with a UTI. It's just the absolute worst. I'm so excited that they're supporting this show. They are a women-owned business and they make products for women and people with uteruses. If you're interested in healing your PMS today, check out their website, semainehealth.com. That's S-E-M-A-I-N-E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And you can get 20% off using the code LITAF. That's L-I-T-A-F. Check them out. I highly recommend it. You don't have to suffer like this. I suffered for too long. My sister and I, oh my God, we were just talking about this. We don't have to live like this. <laughs> you can get support today. Just try it. See how it works. Check them out. Again, that's S-E-M-A-I-N-E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com and get 20% off with code LITAF. All right, now back to the episode. So talk to me about, because you've dealt with so many diagnoses in your life, and I know there's there can be so much stigma. The process of getting a diagnosis can be very harmful to some people. Talk to me about that process for you and how you just, I mean, you're talking about it so openly, which is so fucking rad. So you've like clearly come to the other side. So I'd love to just hear, and like, maybe it can even, you can share about your story, but then maybe even with others, like, how do you see other people experiencing labels? Well, and I love that you say labels because yeah, like, you know, I think it's interesting. One of the things that was most supportive to me was that I was already in some of these fairly radical communities and that I found disability justice community pretty early on, even before I thought of myself as disabled. And I did go through a lot of shame. Like one of the things, you know, I don't talk a ton about it, but I'm, but I'm happy to, that I have is like, I have a bladder condition and it just affects like, you know, I need to pee a lot. <laughs> Can't really stay asleep through the night. You know, I remember being so ashamed and so scared. Like I never wanted to sleep over at friends' houses. So like, you know, things like that, that if you don't have it, you wouldn't really like think of, but it became like, I went to Disney, Disney World when I was 13, I think, or 12 or something. And this thing is exacerbated by the heat. So we were in Florida and it's like, you know, just little things like I didn't really, we went on one ride and then had to go back to the hotel because I was just in so much pain. We didn't know why I was in pain. So I want to say like, oh my God, if you're in that place, I hear you. You know, if you're in the place of like, I don't really know what's up with me. That's step one is like finding um, disability justice communities, finding people who have similar symptoms or similar things going on can be really affirming. And then for me, it was, it really intersected with the queer community because I think there's something really beautiful about queer disability justice communities are really oriented around care and around sort of ethics of care and communities of care. And even though I didn't always feel that I had that immediately, because a lot of these folks were online, 
it was enough to know. And so I'll say this to anybody who's going through this, like there is such a range of the way bodies and minds work that we don't acknowledge. There is such a, I just got chills. Yeah. Yeah. There. Yeah. No, like I'll take a moment for that. And this is a big part of my work is, is helping folks to see that we, the way capitalist culture expects that things that there is a normal, a standard, a bar, a, you know, this is how things are quote unquote regular. And that's across everything, right? That's across like heteronormativity. That's across, you know, being somebody who's like queer and on the asexual spectrum and polyamorous, like all these things. It's like, there's so many nor, you know, like relationship related and like sexuality related norms that I've felt at various points in my life, like no one else is like this. And and what is this? Um, There's norms of ability, norms of white beauty standards. And it's, it's really amazing that, Capitalism's got to be the greatest con since, right? Because it makes everyone feel like they're not enough and they're not, you know, it's them, it's on them. And it's like, no, it's not. So I think just um, recognizing that as far as the diagnosis process itself, I mean, it is really frustrating and hard. And unfortunately, like, I don't have a solution to US healthcare, right? Like, you're probably going to struggle, you know, finding folks who have similar symptoms who might be able to give you an idea of like the kinds of specialists um, can be useful. But I, I didn't honestly, and I think it's important to normalize. I'm not like this giant success story. And that like, I didn't, I didn't find the perfect person. I had some lucky breaks. I had, you know, some amazing coincidences. And I think this is part of, I don't see them as coincidences. Like I am a, a spiritual person. I would not have describe myself as a spiritual person before, but um, in the past five or so years, I've really come to that and come to sort of see like my spiritual worldview as really being about like finding meaning. You could call it philosophical, you call it whatever you want, but like, I I do think that some of these things kind of presented themselves in my life. I had a roommate who just happened to have this really great neurologist. And so it was like, go to this guy. And I went to that guy. And so that was the first person who actually said like, no, you're all these things might be connected. And I don't know how they're connected yet. He had some theories, some really scary theories of autoimmune conditions. It could be, you know, I thought I might have the same thing my roommate had that ended up requiring in-home care from a nurse, like, transfusions that are really long, like several days a week. Um, So I thought I was going to have to go through uh, that, got real freaked out, ended up having two of my partners who are amazing say, you know, you need someone to take care of you. Like that's going to happen. And me thinking I got to break up with you because you live across the country. And they said, well, why don't you move here? And it it was so funny because it was this beautiful opportunity, right? I ended up not having the big scary thing, but somehow all these pieces fell into place. So it's like, that's not going to happen for everyone. And so I don't, like, I don't think my, my story is a very good, like kind of apocryphal tale because the, the reality is I got lucky. So I think it's just like, I would say be persistent. If you, a, a lot of healthcare providers will tell you nothing's wrong. They'll tell you that you have anxiety and you need antidepressants. They'll tell you that um, they won't use the word hysterical anymore. But if you are uh, a woman, if you are non-binary, if you are femme presenting, um, they are basically saying, oh, you might be hysterical. Just to know that like, it's not you. With, with all love, of course, to medical professionals right now, but like the 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 system, the industry of medical professionals, everyone has specific knowledge 
we don't always fall into that rubric and we don't really have holistic health care. So um, I think sometimes you can feel like, oh, my God, it's the big expert man in the white coat. I must be. He's got to know more than I do. Right. Of course. But it's your body and it's your mind and it's your. Yeah. So I think just yeah, I would just say that, like, if you're feeling that way, please, please know that, like, your intuition is real finding community, finding people who've been through similar struggles who might be able to help you find the right professionals can be really useful. And just like being, being able to say, you know, sometimes like set boundaries, even if you don't know what's, what's specifically wrong, what are you, what are your symptoms? What do you need? You know, set boundaries. And now admittedly, I set so many boundaries that I was sleeping 20 hours a day. Uh, and that turned out not to be right, but <laughs> I still think there's something to, to just being able to say like, you know what? I don't have the energy to do that right now. I don't have the physical strength to do that right now. Yeah. I love that. It's such a, um, yeah, it can be such a tough thing for so many people and it can also set you free. It can be, it can be the catalyst to, a, you know, change. Well, and you, you said labels and the one line I'll quickly just pick up on that and say that, that I do think that there's a, there's an importance to the fact that like diagnosis isn't everything. Now diagnosis is a way to get treatment and diagnosis is, you know, often helps you find a community, helps you find yourself. Absolutely. Like understand that. And I, for me, it's been very mixed, right? Like I'm glad that I have words I can use. And also, you know, I noticed that like, it, th these aren't bright lines, you know, you put things in, especially when it comes to like mental health and cognitive stuff and neurodivergence. I mean, that's why the whole idea of neurodivergence I also love the word neuroemergence. I don't know if you've heard this, mm, um, no. but it was coined. I, I, I was looking around cause I heard people saying it for years and I was like, who came up with this? I found actually just reached out to uh, Marta Rose is the name of the person who um, came up with this uh, initially. You know, I, I use both terms interchangeably. Like my, my signature package is called diverge and emerge. Cause I love the idea of like, you're different, but you're also like coming into yourself. It's that butterfly from a yeah. cocoon. And so when I say neuroemergent, it makes me think of emergent strategy, uh, Adrian Marie Brown's term, um, emergent strategy, which is all about coming back to natural ways of being about like biomimicry, looking at how nature is and like mimicking that. And you know what nature is? Nature is slow. Nature is messy. Nature is always changing. Nature moves in spirals, not straight lines. So like all of that really informs my work. And so that, that take on it, rather than saying like, I'm ADHD, I'm autistic and focusing just on the label, although the labels can also be helpful. It's really about my doing things differently. And my doing things differently is part of this emerging future. It's not the revolution that's, you know, down the, the line that we can't actually envision, or it's not just that. It's also how, how are we being in our day to day? How are we emerging? into ourselves is super critical and super like affirming. And so, yeah, sometimes the labels, you know, the labels are going to change. Language is going to change. Language has changed in my 37 years for sure. Right. Um, and I even have moments where I'm like, oh my God, the kids on TikTok, like, what are they saying? Right. Like that <laughs> doesn't make sense. But then I like stop and I go, no, I'm not going to be that person. Like if they want to identify as X, Y, Z, then great. So yeah, if you can't find a label, just know that like, it, it's not the label that makes your experience real. <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> Certainly not. It is your own experience. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. So to go back to productivity. So I just love that you became a productivity expert. And so <laughs> it's so ironic, I but know. I, 
I know yeah. that there is a non-irony to this. So I'm curious, like, how do you how do you help people unlearn those capitalist modes of striving and that intense self-judgment that comes with it? Yeah, I'm kind of the anti-productivity productivity expert. Well, um, it's great. I'm so glad yeah. we found you. Where have you been? Yeah. Well, because, you know, and and I when I say that, like, I I work with like. Uh, I always say like justice aligned, neurodivergent and nerdy humans. Like that's how I define my sort of, they say in business ideal client, but the person that, you know, I want to work with is that I think that there, yeah, there, there can be an excitement, a like desire to, I love systems. I, I, I did data management, right? When I was in nonprofits, I was in tech and operations. So like, I am all about a spreadsheet. You should see my Notion database. Like people look at that thing and they're like, I'm sorry, Notion does what? And I'm like, oh, you set it all up there yourself. And they're like, you set that all. I'm like, yeah, you're not gonna, it's fine. You know, you like if you enjoy stuff like that, if you enjoy structures and systems, a lot of neurodivergent people have developed an interest in those things as a way to to get by. Mm -hmm. Other folks have wanted to and have always kind of been like, oh, you're, you know, I'm failing at this. Um, and so I want to speak to like both of those people in my, um, you know, and how I think about productivity is that I think you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So you can be anti-capitalist. The idea of productivity as the thing is not the thing. Like, absolutely, it is not the thing. And also that doesn't mean you have to give up all the supportive systems. And so what I, I really like doing is helping people, you know, it's like this it, it is that mindset work that we've been talking about so far. And then it's also, what are the supportive systems that align with you, that align with how you operate, that support you in what you desire and how you want to be in the world, that help you to actually notice when these kinds of standard narratives of like, let me reach the goal, let me strive, let me hustle, like when they're popping up, like I have tools for that, right? Um, discerning what is yours and what is not yours? Like what, you know, we talked about like integrity, you know, is this something I, where I actually need to change my behavior or is this not? So I, I have anxious uh, avoidant attachment style mm -hmm, myself mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I am a recovering people pleaser. Um, sometimes people laugh when I say recovering. I'm like, shush, it's a long process. Uh, yeah. The, but, that's for you. You're saying that label for your own subconscious. Yeah, if anybody here, if anybody listening is an astrology person, I am a Cancer Moon conjunct my rising. I am very Cancerian, and a Cancerian person loves to nurture. Really mm. loves to nurture. I need systems that help me to know, like, is this a thing where it's like, oh no, to be an integrity, to be a good person, like I really want to do X, Y, Z, or am I taking it on because, as usual, I'm. I'm saying I must be the problem, right? <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very personal. And I tried, right? I, I tried to, in that old job, for a while I was like, oh, I'm going to have like the brand where I'm going to help people see that like you can do productivity without it being capitalism. And what I kind of turned to was I didn't like the word productivity anymore. And I was trying to make something fit. I was trying to make a, a square peg fit around hole in some ways by being like, Oh, here's the ADHD way to be productive. Here's the neurodivergent way to be like, there isn't, there isn't one. It's going to be different for every single person. I thought I could coach people through my system and realize, no, that's your system. It's There's yours. It's and also made. Like, I started asking myself some questions about maybe this system is a little much, you know? So yeah, so it'll depend on the person. I would say like I, for example, as ADHD, I need a lot of, I call it purposeful wandering. So I need to allow that meandering, that wandering, that curiosity. You can tell, right? Right? I've done 9 million things in my life. Like I need to allow that to be 
So my goal is not to find just one thing. My goal is not to find the single goal. That is a great way to do it for some people. It's just not for me. And so like what I would recommend if folks are, um, you know, if folks feel this way, if they've either, they've done 9 million apps and they've tried everything and they're like, wow, I am now an expert in 9 million productivity apps, but I do not feel any more easeful, any more calm. Definitely check out my work. I'm speaking to you, friend. But also if you're somebody who, because I, I also have someone I work with who's a creative who, who, you know, is like, oh my God, I'm so awed by what you do. And I wish I could, you know, be this like this quote unquote organized. And I don't know how, and I feel like a hot mess. Like, I'm not going to recommend to her that she take on this like really ridiculous system. So a simple thing that you can do as a check-in is kind of ask yourself, what ways of being am I most wanting to embody right now? How do I want to feel? How do I want to be? And instead of saying like, cool, well, I want to feel ease, but I know I live in this culture, so I can't, I've got to make money. <laughs> instead, okay, I want to be this way as much as I can. I want to be creative. I want to open to myself to the, it might be possible. And so how do the systems I use or don't use, just ask, you don't even have to start by creating something. Ask yourself the systems you have in your life. Are they supporting the way I want to be? Or are they not? Mm. So I know we're, I know we're like going to be out of time soon, but I wonder if I can quickly add, can I put you on the spot and ask? Please. You so, so, so is there a way, just like one way of that you would like to be, you know, something you've been like wanting to feel more, wanting to be more in the world. Is there mm -hmm. an adjective or something that you could think of? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the word ease. <laughs> when okay. you said ease, I was like, Ooh, I want that. But okay. I will say that right now what I'm working on is letting releasing perfectionism. Okay. And so I feel like the word accepting comes up. Accepting, accepting of yourself, especially. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Self-acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. So letting go of, I love that. First of all, yes, same. <laughs> like one journey, kid. Uh, but yeah. So, so wanting to show up, um, accepting yourself. Excellent. Now, when you think about the systems, the structures you have in your life, whatever that looks like for you, and then you think about, okay, do any of those feel like they might be tugging you back into perfection? Oh, that is such a good question. Possible, very possible. <laughs> yeah, you may, you may not you may not know right on a podcast, but that's sort of the starting yep. point. Well, yep, 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 yep. I yep. use Bullet Journal, and I'm like pretty okay. religious about it. And I sw yeah. switched to it in the nonprofit world mm -hmm. because I was like, oh, I get to see how much I've done in the day. Like, I need to start mm -hmm. to celebrate my wins. Yep. But there's still always. Now I just have yeah. a year-long log of bullet points to do. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, sure, I'm celebrating my wins, but also I'm just really, I'm keeping old to-do lists forever. Uh, yeah. And bullet journal is interesting because bullet journal is one where I actually think like as a system, it's not a bad choice for, for wanting to move out of perfectionism because it does sort of allow you to like push things forward, push things forward. Yeah. So this is the kind of thing, you know, if I were working with you um, as a client is we would look at like, okay, what is that supporting? What isn't that supporting? That's always going to be attention, right? Like celebrating yourself. Absolutely. Right. I have that too, where I really want to celebrate myself, but we can kind of start to tease apart and I usually don't start with the productivity. I actually start with the let's work on who you are and, and, and 
what you're being and, and what are the stories, right, that you're telling yourself, because those can right. often, often those will naturally make your list shorter, to be honest, because it'll be more like, hey, Sarah, do you really need to do that one? Okay, what about that one? Right? And the answer <laughs> is, nope, 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 nope. right? But different people need different things. And so some people like really do need to have like a big menu of things to choose from. Other people no, I need three things in front of my face. But we would look at how can you embody that? And like, it might be that you're keeping the same system, but you're thinking about self-forgiveness, self-acceptance. And like, how can I work that into my bullet journal? Did I have a week where I did 40% of what I could do? And I was really tired and I took time off. Okay, great. Let's have a party for that. Can we celebrate yeah. that? Right? Like yeah. we're not just celebrating the check, right? We're moving from right. the checkboxes to other, you know, celebrating both and. It could be celebrate the checkbox, but also celebrate, awesome, you used your intuition, you know, to know that you needed rest today. And maybe the next day your intuition said, let's do it. Let's check off a, a lot of ticky boxes. Um, but yeah, the ticky boxes can get interesting. There's all this neurochemistry around that and like dopamine and the way your brain like really wants ticky box. And yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I've been having to have way fewer ticky boxes and it's been hard. So support, there should be a support group for like, like, like ticky box addicts anonymous, like yes. let's start that that support yes i'm just imagining like don't i'm like don't try to take it away from me because i love it so much and i'm also like get it away from me it's too much yeah and it's like you can kind of like figure out yeah what's supportive about it what's not supportive about it and you yeah i think everything kind of comes down to its component parts like everything is about the what the why you know why are Mm. you what is that right. supportive for you? Great. Well, let's figure out why and let's figure out what's not. And But we're not trying to like optimize your system. And I think that's what I initially thought my big focus would be. And I think more and more it's become that's secondary and that's really helpful once we've done all the work. But I find that once you've done a lot of that work into being differently, it gets way easier for you without my help at all to say, mm. oh, I don't give a shit about these 45 items, right? And that's what happened to me is the more and more I evolved as a human and evolved in, tr- again, back to self-trust, right? Trusting myself to make these calls, trusting myself to say, you know what? I don't need to get back to them in a particular time frame. They do not care. Like literally a week ago, I just added to the bottom of my email signature that basically says, hey, I'm so happy to receive your email. And just so you know, I'm chronically ill. I'm neurodivergent because of the work that you probably know that I do around helping people release timelines, around helping people with change. I'm embodying that through having a fairly generous and flexible email response policy. And I will make every effort to get back to you within the next few days. But you know, if I don't, you can reach out again and, and you know, I'll do my best. And I also hope that you have no expectation of getting back to me within a particular amount of time. Mm, walking the walk. I love that. <laughs> well, I put that out in the world, right? It gives other people for me. And other people have said like, oh, Hell thank yeah. God. It took me two weeks and I felt guilty, but I didn't feel guilty because now I've seen your email signature. I'm like, right. yeah, don't feel uh. guilty. So good. I love that. I love that. Well, is there anything else that you want to share um, with listeners that are on their own healing journey? You know, we, we've we've hit on a lot of it. I, I tend to uh, I tend to go long and meandering and embrace that about myself. But I will say it is unfortunately not a ticky box that you can tick. Um, when you go on a healing journey, I think one thing that it's really great to give yourself per- permission for is you know, I mentioned spirals. And if you, if you haven't really encountered this concept of like spiral time or being spiralic, the idea 
is that when you go around and around in a spiral, you're in a way, and this is hard on a podcast, not visual, but if you imagine the shape of a spiral and you put, let's put a line through it um, in our heads. If we put a line through that spiral right down the middle, then we'll keep crossing that line every time we go around and around. We'll keep crossing it. And if we were thinking of it linearly, we might say, oh man, I came back to that spot again. I failed. I messed up, right? I backtracked. I didn't meet my, my goal. But what if we thought of it as it's actually a spiral? And so that means you're hitting that same point, but you're hitting it further in. If you're spiraling in towards yourself, you're getting closer and closer to yourself and you're going to hit the same thing. So like I have on my healing journey, people pleasing is a great example, been like, Oh yeah, I did all this work around people pleasing. And the universe is like, great. Have I got an up level for you, right? Have I got level? Oh, you, you, you got to the end. Of, this is going to be real millennial. So I'm sorry, younger folks, but like you, you got to the end of the level and you jumped and you hit the flag and you feel really good about yourself. Awesome. Well, that was the end of the first world of eight in the Mario game. So yeah. have fun on the underwater world good luck. too. Um, good, luck. good luck. So, so just to normalize that and to say that like, sometimes it can feel like I failed. You know, we say things like, why did the relationship fail? I'm like, bullshit, the relationship, relationships don't fail. That's not how it works, right? Like you're not, you haven't failed at a relationship because it ended. You haven't failed at recovering from people pleasing because you found out that they're were people pleasing things that you were doing that were much more subtle and under the surface. You're again, you're uncovering, you're unveiling, you're finding what's deeper. And that is the journey. And so if you commit to a healing journey, just know, congratulations, you're in it for life. But also <laughs> that means you're alive, right? That means you're not static life is is not static nothing in life is static and i think capitalist culture wants us to believe that there are like standard measures that are static that are like here's the bar and that's a myth so you're actually by by coming back to that same place on the spiral by experiencing different versions of it by trying to start a habit 97,000 times that's what you're here to do is to keep experiencing it from different angles so you're doing a great job so if you're on 97,001, then I salute you. You're doing amazing. I love you. Keep doing it. Or don't do it. Do whatever you want. You get to do, you get to decide. You get to decide. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. My, my life's journey is boundaries. <laughs> yes. I love that for you. I love that. Welcome. My little kid. My little cancer, this is a shout out to the cancer folks, right? Is you have to remember that, yes, you are soft and tender, but you have that crab shell on your back for a reason. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you got to go inside the crab shell and that's just fine. <laughs> just knock them back. Knock them back. Use those pinchers. Yeah. It's cancer season. It's time. Oh, we, yeah, we it is. It, it's, not, it's not my sun sign, so it's not my actual birthday. But no, a few no, days ago no. was my rising birthday. When the sun goes into your first house, I think you oh, should celebrate it. So that's where I, I love am. that. That's so, oh, that's beautiful. Well, Avery, thank you so much for being here. Can you share with listeners how they can follow along with what you're up to, get in touch, do all the things? 
Of course. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much. It's been a blast. Um, if uh, yeah, folks resonate with what I'm saying, um, please check out queermagical.com is the website. Um, and you will find there, uh, you know, my newsletter sign up, um, which is where you'll get updates of everything I'm doing. Put it all in one place. You don't have to follow. I'm, I'm not a big social media person. So you can find me there, queermagical.com. Um, you'll see my blog there as well. You'll see my writing, um, the piece that, that you mentioned, Sarah. You can, you know, folks can also find me at Queer Magical on uh, Twitter as well if they like, but the, the website has, is going to have the links, going to have the YouTube, the Twitter, but really it's, it's the blog and the, the newsletter where I put a lot of my, um, my energy. And that's also where you will find out um, when I'm like doing new stuff, you'll be the first to know on the, on the email there. So for sure, check it out. I got some exciting stuff coming. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been amazing. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Avery. Z is amazing. I just had a blast. I learned so many things. And if you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review for Lit AF on the Apple Podcast app or even in Spotify. You can hit that five-star rating and in, leave in the comments the reason that you love the show. This really helps us get new listeners. It helps us share this amazing free content. It also helps us get amazing guests on the show. And it helps us get sponsors and support, which is so amazing. So thank you, thank you, thank you for helping to support the show. And of course, if you've got a friend that would be interested, please share this episode with them. Maybe they are dealing with some ADHD or some chronic fatigue or something like that. They just want some support. Uh, This would be a great episode for them. Thank you for sharing it with them. And lastly, I want to thank this week's sponsor, Samane. They're amazing. We really appreciate their support of the show. And we also just appreciate their product. I mean, yeah, they're really helping women suffer less (laughs) through their period with less PMS and thrive. Let's be real. That's what it's all about. Um, don't forget, if you're interested in getting 20% off your order, use code LITAF at checkout. Visit semainehealth.com. That's S-E-M-A-I-N-E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. Semainehealth.com. And just start getting some period help today. Don't wait. I know I waited too long. All right. Thank you so much. I love you. Never forget that. And I'll be back here with you next week.